0: You're listening to The Final Take. I'm your host, Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode is our music episode. We talk soundtracks, scores, and review The Beatles' Get Back. Filling in for Nelson is our guest host, Tyler Hobbs. He's actually the third member of our podcast. You know you're in every episode. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining. Technically, I am. Yes, that's right. The mastermind behind Space Ranger. That's right. All right. How's it going? What are you up to? Um, I've been
1: soaking in a thousand hours of Beatles documentary footage.
0: I know. So have I. Um,
1: presented by Peter Jackson and Disney. It was incredible. That's right. It was I know. actually kind of life-changing in kind of a way, in a non-dramatic way, but it kind of is.
0: It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Well, definitely. But hey, uh, there's something I want to uh, mention. I-, I don't know if you know this. Vangelis passed away at the age of 79. Really? So he was a big-time film composer. He was responsible for Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, also, Chariots of Fire. Yeah, amazing. The reason that, why I bought my Roland synth. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it, he's had so many iconic film scores. Yes. You know, he was probably people like Hans Zimmer.
1: Well, he really created a ambient landscape that was kind of new at the time. Yeah. You know, air is doing their thing, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was new and it was very, it was very current, but it also fit with movies, you know, and it was
0: definitely a huge inspiration. Yeah. There's a lot of people I think that are in music that I think should kind of take the leap Mm -hmm. into film scores that would be amazing at it. You know, kind of like Danny Elfman. Yeah. You know, and and then you of course I mentioned Hans Zimmer, who basically did a kind of a touring rock concert with people like Johnny Marr, who who ended up taking their scores on the road and and just doing fantastic.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I definitely want to see the Danny Elfman uh, Nightmare Before Christmas at the Hollywood Bowl that he does every year. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That would be it amazing. would be amazing. All the characters they're all yeah. there, all the original. This um, year was uh, Billy Eilish. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Same so okay. with cool. them. Anyway.
0: All right. Well, we're talking about music here. Yeah. Music and film. So let me get your opinion. Yeah. Express the importance of music and film.
1: The importance of music and film. A film wouldn't be a film without music because the music actually creates most of the emotion. Yeah. Um, actors, obviously, I mean, you would probably know more than me because you have more of that acting background and I mm-hmm. don't. But when you're acting on a set you don't have the music behind you to give you that dramatic like oh you know kind right. of feeling yeah. so, so i think the actors and the music definitely complement each other and they work as a team to make the film happen right but right. the composer of the music i feel is almost an actor as well because yes. he's acting along and creating with the actor to kind of complement the emotion that the actor is doing yes so it's extremely important um, even silent films back in the day had to have music. The mm-hmm. reason why it was a film was because the music, it made it funny. It made it sad. Yeah. It's amazing how you can change a, a chord to a minor or to a major and it can give you a completely different emotion. You can have jaws, or you could have Forrest Gump, right? It just all depends on how you change it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: it's absolutely have- important. Yeah. And I think in cer- certain circumstances, Some movies are just made better by music. Yeah. You know, where it music makes the movie. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, yeah. (laughs) I mean, Jess and
1: I probably watch that. I mean, if it's on TV, I always stop and watch it. It, If it's for five minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, the music for sure. Especially the the Vietnam
0: scene, you know, Mm -hmm. it just
1: gets me every time. Yeah, that's true.
0: Before we get into the Beatles, let's talk about music documentaries. Go for it, Tim. Okay. I love music documentaries. I love watching them. You know, it gives us a little bit more what's behind the music, you know, not to quote the VH1 behind the music, which is a great documentary series. Everybody wanted to know how the guy from Def Leppard lost his arm. I do think that music documentaries are just so essential. And I think pioneering music documentaries essentially is the Beatles who wanted to kind of record not just their music, but record their process as well but i have a task which was to come up with 3 of the best music documentaries that you've ever seen cuz everything's going to be personal taste you've got all those rolling stone and nme lists of what they think is the best it's always subjective but share with the audience what do you think are the best music documentaries with our tens of listeners I have to get that in every time <laughs> one that's
1: okay so as a kid, I would watch Behind the Music. Mm-hmm. Was that on VH1 or was that A&E? Or VH, VH1. VH1, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of uh, documentaries on there that I loved, but I had a friend that introduced me to a documentary that was pre-life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. Sorry, I'm not prepared for this section of it. But okay. we're, we're organic. <laughs> it's here the time, Pearl Jam uh, documentary and it was actually for the Yield album. Um, oh, and they're in this, their little warehouse bunker in Seattle. They show up on their bicycles. Single video theory. Yes, I think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. i a wealth of information.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: That was, and I was going to use this word for the Beatles and I may mm-hmm. use it a couple times on this podcast, but it was a master class. Mm hmm. So as a musician, and I think if, if there are any musicians listening to this will probably um, agree, when a musician watches these documentaries, it's a master class. Yeah. It really is. I have a feeling people outside the music world, not a musician, watching a documentary about a band is going to see it completely different than I see it. Right. I'm watching the process. I'm watching. How did they layer that? Oh, I'm my. Oh my gosh, they use that piece of equipment. I see them routing this, that, boom, boom, boom. Um, just the way that they talk to each other. And again, this is going to overlap into the Beatles thing. Mm-hmm. But the Pearl Jam documentary was the same way. It was amazing. Yeah. They, they, they clocked in. That's the thing that stuck with me. Is every morning they showed up on time. They were never late. So they were loyal to each other. They're a family, and they held each other accountable and they literally had a clock in. So they'd come in, they'd clock in, they'd grab their instrument and start playing. And then they would clock out at the end of the day.
0: That is insane. It's it's
1: amazing. I think it, you don't want, a band shouldn't feel like a job, or music shouldn't feel like a job, or taxing. Right. But watching them play, they didn't feel that way, but it was important. It was important that they had that routine Mm -hmm. every day. hold each other accountable and um i think jack irons at the time right was a drummer on that album yeah the
0: no code oh he he that was bytology. his last album yield yeah he he did um no i think that's when matt cameron came in um was it is he they did uh so i think jack, jack irons
1: M- there there was a video of him with his arms in the ice water
0: cuz that's how yeah that was him yeah Yeah. cuz he had some issues with uh that's how he was um, replaced by matt cameron right yeah yeah so yeah. um well, maybe he. I, I don't know. I I feel like a bad Pearl Jam fan because I was a member of the Tang Club for twenty years, Wait, really? yeah. and and I had all the their little vinyl records and stuff, and and I have never watched that.
1: I love Mr. Irons, but uh, Matt Cameron is.
0: Oh, Matt Cameron is amazing. He he makes it. Can look we have so a dr- a drummer podcast or <laughs> musician podcast? Well, maybe um, since you want to go organic, let's get through this <laughs> and talk about top three drummers. There you go. All right. Um, uh, and then um,
1: as of late, we watched the Jan Jackson documentary that just came oh, out. That was really on. Good. I think yeah. it was Lifetime. Again, I have so much respect for her now just to see yes. her process. Right. Seeing her work with her brother, Michael, uh-huh. on lyrics, you know, organically in a hotel room and, and then just talking yeah. back and forth and then just them just being brother and sister. Right. And outside of the, like the professionalism, just. It'd be like um uh, my wife and her sisters in a bedroom just working on something together, you know right. it's very very just natural and it was cool to see that process, so that really yeah. stuck out to me um she had an amazing career, it's amazing where she took it her her ups and downs and um just the uh the walls that she would always have to just bust through, you mm-hmm. know and yeah. especially as a as a woman and everything you know the whole ball of wax she actually really had her um head on her shoulders and she oh, had nice. it together you know yeah. it was really impressive so i recommend anyone um watching that nice yeah, yeah. So, so
0: last one what do you got
1: <laughs> you, you know i i could probably think of 100 yeah. when we're not doing this but um okay. you know i explained something to my wife last night when it comes to documentaries uh huh is that uh as a musician um, sometimes I have a hard time watching other bands and other doc, it, their processes and, and, um, it's not a jealousy thing, right? Maybe a little bit of envy in there for sure. Yeah. But, but sometimes I just have a hard time watching those things cause I'm doing my own thing, you right. know? But, um, yeah, I, I was more interested in actors and actresses hmm. and things like that because nice. I was already doing
0: the music thing. So I don't know. All
1: right.
0: Nice. So anyway, All right. your turn. Sorry. Okay. So, uh, I have to share one that's, that I thought was, it's a series on HBO, Sonic highways, which is the Foo Fighters documentary. Good. So good. And and I think it's kind of cheating because it really chronicles the music scene in eight different cities in the country. So it's, it's covering so much Yeah, and it has, Everyone, it's got Dolly Parton, Lily, Willie Nelson. Yeah, it's got anyone from punk rock to country to to Death Cab for Cutie to you know everyone in music, right? That can come out right. that that Dave Grohl was able to get out and so good. And then he was able to come out with an album following up with that. And we actually saw the tour, yeah, when he broke, he broke his, his leg. leg and he was in his little little throne it was cool because they were, he was able to just write a song about his experience in the music scene in each city, which was fascinating. So that, that was so good. And I I really wish they would have done a second season of that, but obviously that's a one off the food Fighters got their thing. Yeah. But uh, second one on my list would be uh, David Bowie. The last five years. Oh, okay a lot of people really love the first five that there was a documentary about his first five years, but the last five years was, was very haunting. They got his band together. He anonymously recorded two albums the next day. And then black star, he was walking to the studio in the streets of New York city, completely anonymous. Nobody even recognized it It was David Bowie walking down the street. And then walking into a music studio and they kind of cover his process and all this other kind of stuff. And then also go back and talk about his last five years of his life from he had had a, uh, he's getting very health conscious because um, he had a heart attack uh, during his last tour, the reality tour and and how he how it really affected him taking some time off and then coming back and recording those records. And being such a David Bowie fan, and and I really think there is no era of David Bowie that's ever that's stronger than any other era. It's all so good. Everything he's done has been amazingly good. You can't say I like his old stuff better. I like his new stuff better, and any of that kind of stuff. It's his music is just phenomenal across the board. Yeah, and so it was great to kind of see a period that's not covered very much, yeah. you know, to, to look at, I think life. he evolved with every decade and, and every yeah. album and it just, you know, reinvented mm-hmm. himself and, and just yeah. kept pushing the boundaries right. and you listen to his music and nothing sounds dated. No, yeah. it's so, it's all so good. Yeah. So, but we're digressing on that one. Okay. And the last one, I think this is an obvious one for me. Depeche mode one Oh one. Oh, this is uh, a lot of people say that a reality television kind of came out of this one because they actually had a contest in New York where they had 10 fans. They chose 10 fans to get on a bus and they bust them from New York to the Pasadena Rose Bowl. And it was really focused on these 10 fans. A little bit of Depeche mode in between, a little bit of inner cut of the concert, their 101st concert on their Music for the Masses tour. Mm-hmm. They sold out the Rose Bowl, which hadn't been done, I guess, since the 70s. And it just had this reality show feel about these these 10 winners of this contest, you know, and their journey across America, so to speak. It was kind of like the. Re- uh, the real world and road rules all at once, but in 1987. Huh, interesting. And, and it was, it's, it, you'll see it frequently pop up on, on the list of, of top music documentaries. Cause it was actually done by D.A. Pennebaker, who was, who was given a, he was recently given a, he passed away, but he, before he died, he was given a lifetime and achievement Oscar for his work. And he did going back to Bob Dylan. He, he was the one who kind of, elevated Bob Dylan and don't look back and hit that documentary which is one of the best of all time uh you know for people who love Bob Dylan I guess I, I you know, don't that your number one then you said yeah the best no of all I mean time. I would say it's on a lot I'm of kidding. the top lists yeah, of do- music documentaries yep. but as far as my taste yeah, goes yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean I like Bob Dylan yep um, but I would say kind of a modern cousin to Bob Dylan's don't look back it would be you know the the evolution of of the music documentary going into the '80s with with Depeche Mode, but it was such a fantastic, such a fantastic uh, uh, documentary. It still holds up after all these years. So they just released it, re released it on 4K, so you get to see all those action sequences so much better. <laughs> and there's a, a soundtrack, right? Yeah. yeah like, so I had was, the soundtrack, yeah, yeah Depeche anything, Mode right? 101 soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a live such, album, right? Yeah, yeah, such a great live album. Yeah. And this was back in the day where they wanted to do because they weren't they followed music of the masses up with Violator and they didn't they were gonna come out with another live album after that. But that was back in the day where it's like you didn't do live albums all the time. Yeah. But but yeah, so so that was uh such a great such a great uh, music documentary, I highly recommend. So um, but I don't know if you've heard of this, I want to ask you about this really quick. Recently Questlove mm. won an Oscar. Yeah. For a music documentary called "Summer of Soul." Okay, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, have you watched no, it? No, I haven't seen it. I heard it is just incredibly no, amazing.
1: I haven't, unfortunately.
0: I'm gonna put that on my watch list. Yeah,
1: we definitely should.
0: I heard everyone. I have not heard one person say anything but rave reviews about this. Well, maybe we
1: can uh, watch it and talk about it. But um, yep. no, I um, no, I I honestly didn't know much about it until he won and. He was kind of uh, overshadowed with all the the rest of the drama going on that night. So, yeah, but uh, no, no, those are good documentaries. Yeah. Good job.
0: Thanks. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes. All right. All right. right, Um, This is why we're here. Okay. so let's talk about the Beatles get back, which is our first review. Yeah, it's the documentary series directed and produced by Peter Jackson, which chronicles the making of the Beatles album. Let it be. This documentary was produced from unused footage that was captured in the 1970 documentary film, The Beatles Let It Be. This music doc spans 22 days as the band writes 14 new songs and rehearses for a television special on the recording of their next album and a live concert. Yet back highlights the musical genius of one of the greatest bands in history, as well as a look into the problematic inner workings of what would be the band's final days together. Tyler. Yes. Give me, give give me, (laughs) give me your thoughts. So, yeah. So, so give me your thoughts on this. This is a lot, a lot, a lot. lot. Well, well, let me, let me preface really quick first. Let me jump in and say, you had actually said to me, because we were also going to look at something else to review as well. And you started watching this and you were thinking, wow, this is going to be heavy. And I highly agree with you. Once I started watching this, there's a lot going on in here. There is a lot. So what are your thoughts? Oh,
1: <clears throat> well, I took a lot of notes. And most of my notes were actually from the first. The first act, first episode. the first episode. Yeah. Um, I I really didn't know what to expect. And uh-huh. again, I have all these notes. And I even told Jessica earlier that I'm probably not even going to remember them or even get to them because we're yeah. just going to roll and sure so okay again it's it was a master class beyond my expectation yeah i'm gonna be honest with you i wasn't a huge beatles fan for the longest time right. i haven't been a, a a major or a beatles fan until about five years ago or so five mm-hmm. six years ago and it was just there was just so much of it growing up and it was just so um to me just so commercial it was just used in everything mm-hmm. like oasis did they say something like they compared themselves to uh, the beatles or um you know yeah. what i mean like, everything was yeah. compared to the beatles or you're being a yoko or you're being this where right i just it, it just became it was too like commercial and vanilla and it was just uh-huh it was just so common. I didn't, didn't really grasp it. My first band ever, ever that I had, we played eight days a week. Uh Um, I have no idea when that song came out actually, or what (laughs) album it came out on. And so I was just never a fan and then I became a huge vinyl record collector, you know, for a very long time. Then I started picking up a few Beals records. I'm like, you know what? Oh, I know how it happens. Someone uh, gifted me the love album. Someone gifted me the love album and it completely just blew me away. I'm like, what is, what is this? So good. It's, it's just so good. It, yeah. I like, what is this? And then I started picking up all their albums and just buying them. Like this, this is incredible. So I had a, a pretty good understanding, you know, and I was a big fan. And then once I started, um, this documentary, First, I was blown back of how how long it was. Peter Jackson, of course. um, He doesn't do anything short. It's Peter Jackson, for sure. But um, I I waited to watch it until we had this podcast just so I could retain a lot of it because there was just so much information there. I thought it was only going to be an hour and a half. (laughs) It ended up being, I think, what, seven hours or six hours, eight eight, eight hours or something like that. So it was very dense, very, very dense. So with all that said... Yes, it was a master class. Completely, completely blew me away. I could not keep my eyes off of it. I could not stop thinking about it. Even when right. I'm trying to go to sleep, when I wake up, I'm humming the tunes, I'm thinking about their process, and it's the process for me. It's amazing to see behind the scenes and, and, and opening up the hood. and um, But it was the process as a musician, being in, in bands for for so many years, it, uh, you know, it was just absolutely, um, just breathtaking in a way. The yeah. the process and yeah. and um. So yeah, I mean, I I, I uh, Where do you want to dive in? Um, I I've been a really, I really think I'm I'm the biggest fan of 1966 on uh, of the sure. Beatles, the earlier uh, stuff. Um, I maybe it's. I'm a hippie and a free spirit and heart. Uh, and so maybe that's why I, I right. like that, that style of music, but I just think they were more mature. The music is yeah. more mature. they were actually only 28 years old when they, re- that, that blew was, me away. Th-
0: it was interesting too, because I thought, I thought of this and, and there was a class that was offered at Arizona state yeah, I, the music of the Beatles. Correct. And they just at a, such a young age, they really revolutionized the recording process by putting four tracks together Mm -hmm. and making them in eight tracks and, and really building the entire studio and console. Yeah. Yeah. Experimenting in that kind of stuff. And, and I thought that's one of the reasons why I thought, wow, this is going to be like right up your alley. And it it was just incredible to see their whole process Mm -hmm. and so much going on it's a shame that this hasn't come out sooner, but at the same time, I don't think anybody else would have been able to do justice to all going through 60 hours of footage and something like 150 hours of audio alone to just kind of capture this whole moment in time, so to speak, you know, um, all their problems, how they work, and those kinds of things. One of the things that I think was incredible was how Paul and John worked together. What was your, I mean, that was kind of the forefront of this whole thing.
1: They were very honest with each other. You know, yeah. I, um, they're very, very bold and honest. Uh, John, you know, just, he's the kid, he's the clown, right? He just loves to have fun. He loves life. Yeah. And he'd be like, Oh, Johnny boy. Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Maybe we can do that. I don't know. Maybe after lunch. I don't know. Yes. Let's do it. Maybe a little, fiddle, you know, and yeah. he would just, he, but he heard John. Yeah. He he knew. And then when it came down to business, John would, would play his heart out and it would right. come in, but they had a very interesting relationship. You can tell there were some, um, open wounds. You can tell that there's some things going on and then, um, but I, but, but I do, I love the process. And it, I can relate, you know, um, I have a really good friend, you know, yeah. Luke that I write the same way with and, and Josh and a lot of people. And, uh, every band has at least one or two that are just so close. They just have that writing, um, companionship, but, right. but I mean, George, I mean, we can go through all the different Beatles, uh, Sure. It, but it, like George, um, he's one of my favorites. I think he's my number one favorite. You know, he's kind yeah. of reserved and, you know, and he he wanted his voice heard, Yeah, you know, and he's like, dang it, damn it. I want to I want to play more, you know, and right. I have some ideas. I need you to listen to me, John. Right.
0: Um, I mean, uh, Paul and Paul's he's the boss, yeah. you know, and I don't want to be the boss. Um. Well, it's funny because there was such a battle between John and Paul about who was the boss of the Beatles. And Paul said. I'm not the boss and John and John said, I'm I'm not the boss. You're the boss. Yeah. And there's just so going on, but it's really highlighted in the first episode, which concludes with George leaving the group and quitting the Beatles yeah. where it, it really shows how marginalized George and Ringo are. You know, Metallica is the same
1: way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And justice for all. Right. You know, you don't hear any bass on that album. Guess who mixed oh, wow. it? James Huffield. Oh, okay. And Lars Lil Rich. Wow. So, so, it happens, you know. Yeah. And um, and I, I was really proud of George for speaking up, yeah. you know. And I don't blame him. There's too many chiefs in the kitchen, and you need to work together yeah. as, a, as a group. And that's why this is a perfect master class for any band that wants to get to any band together or anyone who thinks they want a band watch right. this because it's going to yeah. show you everything even though you're not the, don't compare yourself to the beatles obviously it's right. nothing like that but you can't compare yourself to that their process of you're going to argue yeah you're going to love each other you're going to hate each other you're going to, you're going to hear things or right. you're going to take things personal that like you could you can if there was a um body language expert Right. For Ringo or, you know, reserving or um, observing Ringo yeah. during the process as a drummer. I understood yeah. some of his boredom and him just kind of sitting there and
0: yeah, um, just waiting. Well, for. Th- I thought of you on this, too, because being a drummer, he really just kind of sat there looking bored the entire time until they started recording. Because that was when he could really shine you didn't see his personality until the third episode when they started recording the album, let it be. Right. And it was, I think that's most
1: drummers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It just, he just kind of came out of his shell. He started, then he started joking around. But other than that, he was just, it seemed like he was just sitting there waiting for instruction because I know from the past in the Beatles, he had quit. They made a comment about Ringo quitting, had quit the band. And one of the reasons was is because of what Paul was doing to him. Yeah, and he was going into the studio mm-hmm. and re-recording his track. I don't blame him. And yeah. watching
1: uh, Paul and because it was really Paul giving Ringo the instruction. I don't mm-hmm. know if there was much instruction coming from John or or George to Ringo, so. uh, play play like this or do like that. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, I think Ringo if we're just being very honest, he was a very basic drummer. Okay. Yeah. I agree he is sure. very, very, very important to the Beatles. Yeah. They're not the Beatles without Ringo. Yeah. If you put Neil Pert, one of the greatest drummers of all time with the Beatles, it would not be the Beatles anymore. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't sound right. So I'm not taking away from Ringo's star in terms of that. Right. But I think he's a very, very simple, basic drummer. And I think he needed help sometimes to be more creative. Yeah, because he was caught in the pocket of just playing basic beats, dun 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 dun, and they wanted him play on the back beat or on the front beat. They wanted him just to be a little bit more creative. And I and I get Paul's point of guys. I just I'm just trying to get you guys to be a little bit more creative, you know, and and come up with more things. And I get it. I I I I totally get it. And Ringo probably took some of that personally. And you just kind of at that point you're just kind of quiet. It's kind of like the old school saying, don't speak unless you're spoken to kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he had one job to do and he did it great. Yeah. And when that, when that red light
0: came on, yeah, he shined. And uh, so, yeah, I, anyway. it, it, what's interesting though, George Harrison had, had been the only person to actually, only member of the group to actually release solo work mm-hmm. while they were still a group. Yeah, And he had a lot of, he's, he, he was a very talented very talented musician. Love his albums, yeah. You know, and you look who he gravitated to later on in his career with, you know, Traveling Wilburys and yeah. and and those kinds of acts, but look at what he contributed between the last two albums, which honestly Abbey Road, which you actually have a copy right over here mm-hmm. for our tens of listeners that can't see what's going on here. But Abbey Road was actually recorded after this session. They scrapped this whole um uh, let it be, and that they didn't release it for another year, but they released Abbey. Went in and recorded Abbey Road. But George's work in those last two albums was some of the best, and and it, and it held up with anything that Lennon and McCartney did. But you can really see how the musical genius behind Lennon and McCartney they were a one track mind together playing and 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 coming up with with their riffs and creating these songs together you know and you know,
1: how a lot of that process happened was them just goofing around a lot so right. if they got stuck on something they would play it really really fast and really silly or they pray right. it, play it really slow <clears throat> mm-hmm. sometimes play it really slow just to get their harmonies or get right get in sync you know and and paul said some amazing things he's like you know you guys let's let's make it perfect let's Let's get this thing down perfect. Then we can just add all the fun stuff to it and smooth it out yeah. and add all the ear candy and everything. But you guys, right. we need to, we really need to dial it in. Um, you know, he uh he was a bulldog, but Yeah. It rightly so and and thank goodness he was. And right. he held people accountable. You know, mm-hmm. he would tell John on the way out to lunch or at the end of the day. I really need you to work on those harmonies, man, or I need you to work on those lyrics. I need yeah. you to memorize that stuff. So he took his art, art and the music serious. And right. I have so much respect for that.
0: I have a lot, a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Well, it, and that really goes to show kind of, uh, there's so much different dynamic going on with the group because they showed a little bit of their, uh, India trip in this. And, and I, I, I look at this band as through, through this particular documentary, knowing, what i know about the beatles from the past but this gives gives us a lot more information because they really lived together they performed together they were constantly together for since the inception of the beatles i mean going back to the hamburg days they all lived together performed every night for hours and hours and hours on hours a night 8 hours a night and <sighs> then they they would once they came back from those days and they started recording albums, you have now uh this dynamic between them. And you you really they back then you didn't take a break. You just recorded, you toured, you yeah. went back in the mm-hmm. studio and did the same thing. Yeah. All, did it all over again. And it really kind of showed the dynamic. And and Paul had mentioned that, you know, when they were talking about Yoko, there was quite a went after George had left the band. It was the beginning, I think, the beginning of the second episode. Ringo shows up. George shows up. Uh, No one else shows up, obviously. Or not George, Paul. Paul shows up. No one else shows up. And they can't get a hold of John. When we're talking also dynamics, you're talking about also the passion in the group, too. Yeah. They really focused in on Paul when he made the comment, and then there were two, because John wasn't, they couldn't get a hold of John, and they weren't sure if he quit the band either. So he was really upset. You can tell his. And it's funny that you mentioned body language expert yeah. because he his eyes were glassy. He looked like he was ready to cry. He was the one who wanted to perform, and all of this was because of him. This was all his idea. He wanted to perform. So I went back and looked at some of their concerts. I went back. There's that, you know, the set list website where you go back and check, you know, see what they played when. And because there was a comment that John had made about playing 11 songs. So when they had concerts, they did Shea stadium, candlestick park, they did all these big humongous concerts. They came out, they played 11 songs oh wow. and left. That's like That's when you, when you think about how short were so- their songs were early on in the yeah. beginning, yeah, you know, three minutes, three and a half Two minutes. And a half yeah, minutes. you're talking. They came out to perform between thirty and forty minutes, yeah, to nonstop screaming yeah. on a subpar PA system that people can't really, really listen to. Eleven minutes is probably a lifetime for those girls. Oh, you know, know, watching that though, I know it's crazy, but. Paul, I think, and I really honestly think, because a lot of the dirty laundry kind of came out at the beginning of the second episode uh, about Yoko. Yeah. And, and I really don't feel like Yoko broke up the ban after this. It it, it does get, conclude with the fact that, yes, she did bother the rest of them because she was right next to John the entire time. And, and you know, John drew the line in the sand. That would be so annoying. <sighs> yeah. I mean, cause even Lindy Eastman was there and she didn't have to be the, right next to Paul the whole time. Honestly, anytime there are girlfriends who show up or wives who show up at band practices, yeah. it is so disruptive and it's annoying. Yeah, It's, it is very, very And annoying. there she is right next to him.
1: Cause they want to be part of the process. Right. They feel like they're, if they add one little thing, then it's like, Oh, I'm part of the band now or right. They're all, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: well, yeah. That's the thing it, it, they even Paul admitted, you know, we, you know, she's she's cool. She spoke for him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A lot of the times, too. Yeah. Even when they had the big meeting at Ringo's house, right. they talked about it the day after, right. you know, when they were as a group talking about Yoko, when Paul finally brought it up right. that, you know, they it the agreement you know. kind of was, though, that I agree with you. But um, if Yoko wasn't able to be there, then John wasn't going to be in the band. Right. So, yeah. it the she didn't break up in the band in a sense that something happened. Yeah, she caused something that the band broke up. Right. But, but if they had some handcuffs on, yeah, and it was a compromise that, they had. If that made. rule was wor- broken, yeah. there was a chance the band would have broken up because of Yo-Ko. well,
0: considering the dynamic between Paul and and John and how well they work together.
1: They hate each other and they love each other. You know, the but time.
0: they're they're brothers, really. Yep. But when you think 100%. about it, though, when they're not playing, when they're not writing and rehearsing Beatles songs, they were still constantly playing music. They were playing yep. everything. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. All the, hit, the Stand hits. Stand By Me. Elvis was the Elvis, biggest thing.
1: Yeah. Was the biggest thing. Paul was always trying to sound like Elvis right. Presley. Bobby, Bobby. Like he was yeah. always
0: doing that the entire time. Right. Huge. And they fan. were constantly playing. Whereas George still took a break. Yeah. Ringo just sat there through through yeah. the writing process. But I got the impression throughout this entire thing, even going to the rooftop concert. And this is what we'll talk about next, which I guess would be kind of a, a seed into that, a transition into that, which is Paul wanted to perform. And you had mentioned it, where let's perfect this album, but also let's go and perform this album and do do it wild. Let's go and put on a concert. And Paul didn't want to do the rooftop concert. He wanted to go perform this entire album. He wanted to do a concert. And the rest of them really didn't want to do that. They want to just record, write and record, write and record. And Paul seemed to be, that was the impression that I got at least. Well,
1: well, I think uh, Paul, you know, they, um, George Martin, the fifth Beatle. Yeah. um, And also um, Billy Billy Preston,
0: Preston, (laughs) the fifth performing Beatle.
1: The fifth performing Beatle. There's the scene of them uh, sitting down with Paul and and throwing them that one last ditch idea of going on the roof. And he liked that idea. Yeah. And that's what made them eventually getting on the roof, right? So I agree with you, but they're they were backed up on the wall. Like, what are we? What is going to happen? Like, this was it a few days away. (laughs) It was like three (laughs) days away or something. Insane. What are we going to do? Hey, all right. How about this idea? Yeah. Hell yeah! And maybe the cops will come. Right. It's gonna be rock and roll, baby. Right. And it was. It was rock and roll. They start practice. Oh, go ahead. Maybe I'm jumping. Yeah. Ahead, no, no. But it's just amazing how you imagine being in your office building some cubicle or whatever they had back in the late 60s for work. You know, and all of a sudden you're hearing this music. And oh, wait a second. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I recognize those voices. Can you imagine? That is every boy and girl's dream who's a musician yeah. to do what the Beatles did. Yeah. Was to... Play something like that on a rooftop, yeah, and then have the masses just come out like, "Who is that? Right. Oh my gosh!" where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? It's, it coming from? See it's them. like yeah. the music gods opened, you know the the clouds opened up, and then to find out it's the Beatles, yeah. And you see some of the civilians, you know, up on the roof and the doorways, like how luck that, how lucky is that person?
0: And and not to mention you know? it's the last performance of the Beatles live ever, ever. The cops
1: come out. They end the show. Um, Amps start turning off. George starts to turn his amp back on. Oh, that know, was so John's classic. John's amp turns. And it was just so rock and it roll. It was so,
0: so classic.
1: You know, and then John's comment at the very end after they leave. I, I forgot what it was. It was like, uh, um, I don't know. I don't, I Man, I forgot what it was. It was like,
0: I think we did a good job or yeah. whatever it was. Um, it was pretty good. Well, and I, you really see the performance in a lot of a lot of them. You know, and, and it's just a shame because they all went on to perform because the Beatles could have gone on and just recorded music and released it. They would have had to perform the the random yeah. concert once in a while. But they were yeah. so beloved at that point, it was the end of their yeah. the road for them. But you see how you can really see how it affected them physically performing you know versus just sitting in the studio and recording yeah. you know george he he was he was kind of kind of in and out he he liked the performing but it was really he had one
1: foot in one foot out all the time all the time because he had his own personal recording studio right. it was his stuff it was his stuff oh yeah that's right that that re that recorded everything came out of his studio yeah. which made me think like when he left like, did he take all of his equipment with oh, him was, or was it left there? Well, that was
0: before, because they were coming to Apple Corps. Oh, okay. At, so they started out at the, yeah. s- the television studio before they decided That's to right. scrap the the television. But I
1: thought they brought, they started bringing his equipment into the
0: television studio. Well, they had well. already set up a, a, they had somebody set up a, um, a recording studio in the basement, but okay. the equipment wasn't up to par. Okay. So I okay. think they, they ended up, right. um, they, they ended up getting all of his equipment so yeah. they they had an A track there. They brought yeah. his two four tracks over. They you know, and all that kind of stuff. But
1: no, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, he had so much music in his head yeah. and I think he was a little shy yeah. to present yeah. some of it just because he was worried about the backlash. Yeah. So it was I mean, I have his albums and they're amazing. It's good, yeah. I'm so glad he did what he felt was right for him. Yeah. And being a Beatle and and making that decision to leave is it's got to be huge and it was amazing he was just like all right guys i'm i'm done yeah like oh you mean for for, for the day no i'm that was just so i'm done being a beetle and that was really really weird and there was a lot of weird scuff going on you know and even the way that john was talking to i mean uh, paul was talking to john and it was like john you know this and this and that and done and done and And just really getting on to john and john's like well, I guess it's time for lunch. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. I'm I'm you know, it was just so amazing there the way that they would um would interact and deal with problems and situations the way they communicate, going off on a tangent now, but the way they would huddle their their huddles yeah. every day mm-hmm. and just talk. And they it was just fire, fire, fire. Just information and ideas, you know, and you had Ringo sitting there, my wife, it, she's hilarious always, makes me laugh every day. She's like Ringo always looks like he has a cold. (laughs) It's so true. Like he's sitting there with this like this look on his face. He's about ready to sneeze. Hey guys, you know. And back, I don't know if it was drugs or what's going on, but he always looked like he was about to fall asleep on the on the drum kit. Yeah. But yeah, I um, I was really shocked, you know, George quitting. But I I don't blame him. I I think he had enough. He, I guarantee you, he showed up that day. Yeah already knowing he was going to quit. And then all of a sudden, once the bossiness started coming out from Paul again, he's like, I've got so much money in the bank right now. I've got a sweet pad. I've got a lot of songs in my head. No one wants to listen to them. They could be Beatles songs, but I'm going to make them George Harrison songs. And I don't blame him. First meeting didn't work out, became worse. Well, we found out that Yoko screwed that up because spoke for John. Yeah. And then the second meeting, I don't think she was there, right? Or was, was she there? It was just the four of them. And yeah. it worked yeah. Ow. Isn't it amazing well, how that, how that happens? It was
0: very much, very going back to them being like brothers being around each other. You know, they're, as they're coming up musically and, you know, as you had mentioned that they're musically mature, they're growing together, you know, m- mentally. So, For them, 28
1: years old with millions of dollars of cash in the 60s. Yeah.
0: Well, for George to walk out the way he walked out without screaming his head off and saying, I quit this band, screw you guys or whatever. He's like, I'm just done being a Beatle. They never screamed at each other. No, not at all. And it was very much like you could see how much turmoil was between them, how passive aggressive they all were toward each other it was very much like a family you know without yeah. the screaming and and crying and, and and it was wasn't a big deal let's go to lunch because he's he'll be back tomorrow yep. they knew he was going to be back they tomorrow know. and then it had it when he didn't come back yeah that's when they started having to take it seriously it's
1: it's the it's like a, it's absolutely a relationship yeah. it's a, it's absolutely. a relationship you know you if you fight with someone and you say the same thing every time like you know what, I'm done. Well, I'm done too. And the person leaves, you know, they always come back. They always come back. And it's like, we all feel like they came back. Yeah. But when they don't come back, it is the biggest pill to swallow. Yeah. And when you are the Beatles and it's like, holy crap, is this it? Right. Is this, is this really it? Yeah. You know, at that point, I'm telling you, money doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters, right. Other than the their brotherhood
0: yeah. and and the music. Well, you know, it's interesting because because we haven't even talked about music in terms of like where it came from or any of that. Right. I, don't know, wherever, I mean, I know we're just talking about the, the gossip and <laughs> the drama, but I mean that. I mean, the drama is what makes it what made it you know so heavy. Even though the music was fantastic. It was so great to look at the concert at rich. the end, yeah. the way yeah. it was cut. I mean, the editing was yeah. phenomenal.
1: It was amazing.
0: So granella and just Yeah. Amazing. You know, but at the end of the day, I mean, you look at the the things that we don't see that we didn't see in this. Of course, they scrapped the idea. When they finally released the last album, let it be, this album they recorded, let it be. They had broken up. And it was kind of because they had done, right after this, they did Abbey Road. They released Abbey Road. They finally just ended up releasing Let It Be and Breaking Up. And I think the way they all went about it, because they didn't scream at each other and and all that kind of stuff, and they were passive-aggressive, and they were all ready to release their solo albums, because, come on, let's face it, they recorded an entire album in three weeks, and then they scrapped it, went in the studio in Abbey Road Studios and recorded another album and released it. And how quickly are they able to do that back then? You know, and then, when they were talking about the, yeah, they haven't put out a single in four months, let's put out, get back because they just recorded it. Let's master it. And let's put together, put master it and let's, put it out. Let's release it. Things next were, week. you know, things were fast working. Faster. You can do that
1: nowadays too. You can,
0: you, you can, now. you can, but
1: it's, there there was a gap though that back then apparently you could. Yeah. Nowadays you could. Right. But there was yeah. a gap in the nineties and year two thousand mm-hmm. in the early two thousands where you could not. Yeah. It took sometimes years to get music. That's out. right.
0: Then things were going slow. Um
1: you know, that when you get record labels involved and you have to worry about merch and you have to worry about all this bull crap. Right. Back then it was about the music. People who are listening to this, musicians, bands listening to this, I hope you're listening. Yeah. Make it about the music. If you make it about the money, if you get greedy, just unplug.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and <laughs> but also at the same time, right after Abbey Road, they all, you know, I think I know Paul went in the studio and and worked on a suit on a solo album. And when did he start Wings? I think right after that. And was it seventies? Uh, yeah, it was seventies. Yeah, but but I know he released an album, um, just under Paul McCartney, I think. Um, yeah, and. It came out right before Let It Be came out, if I remember correctly, because it turned out to be a bit of a pissing contest about releasing a solo album and releasing a Beatles album and this passive-aggressive... I think like he's double yeah so like he's double he just uh, released his... dipping yeah kinda, he released his soul to to kind of hurt the hurt the release of the Beatles album and stuff like that it's overshadowing yeah that and so hmm. you know because clearly uh, they they interviewed a lot of people on the street and Paul was always the favorite he was the cute one you know what get over it it's just so it's just
1: me. natural every band. Yeah. Every band's gonna have right. that one or two that's gonna stand out. It is what it is. Yeah, and you know? and
0: I think the thing that made him a little bit more of a dominant force within the Beatles is the fact that he wanted to perform. He's smart he want, too. Yes, he's smart. He and wanted to and perform. he was a
1: perfectionist. And uh, he he got what he wanted. Right.
0: And and I think despite the fact that we're you know they're they're on a they're on a trail that's kind of veering off in four different directions. They wanted different things out of their musical careers. And more than anything, you know, John wanted to record, Paul wanted to perform. They just all wanted different things. But at the same time, they kind of burned each other's bridges by doing the things they did to each other without having to, without coming out and screaming and confronting each other about stuff.
1: You know, I, I totally get that, but you know, I don't think you need to yell and scream to get your point across, but you know, and I, I'm actually really, really impressed with the way that they did communicate with each other and they, and they passive aggressive, passive aggressive. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fine. But I was so impressed and I really, I really took that of, I want to actually apply that to my life in terms of how you just talk to people. You can really get your point across. Yeah. And you could really, even if you're upset, yeah. like really, really pissed off and upset at someone, you can really get your point across without having to yell at them. Because right. when you yell at them, your ears and your eardrums literally, like, are just taking in that high frequency, uh-huh. and you're not really hearing the clarity of what the person's saying anyway. Yeah. So shut up. Just speak to me in a, a level voice, yeah. and even if it's harsh, you don't have to yell at me. And I think that's what they did, and there were some tense moments and even the management got involved and threw some ideas out and they're like, I loved how they could tell each other no. And that's a bad idea without them getting their, their feelings hurt. And I was just really impressed by that. And yes, you're right. You may think differently about it and that, and you should, when you, when you walk away from watching this, I think everyone should have their own feeling and take from it. And it's not just for musicians. This is for anyone. Just how people communicate with each other. Yeah. You know? And and just how they got stuff done. Yeah. There are a lot of people who just talk and, and don't get things done. And Paul ran the ship. Yeah. You know? And he made sure that it got done. Yeah. And John was right behind him. But John, he tests the waters.
0: You know? He... Yeah.
1: He'd poke the bear. Right. You know? and uh, But you know what? He'd always be there. Yeah,
0: that's true. He'd always be I mean, there. I think John John still wanted a little bit more of the, you know, peace man, whereas, you know, they, they all wanted different things. He
1: was there for the music. Yeah,
0: because if you look what where they went later on, that really kind of speaks volumes as to why the Beatles really broke up. Paul wanted to perform concerts. George wanted to, uh, you know, he, he wanted to do his own thing because he's been kind of marginalized his entire time in the Beatles. And, you know, John wanted to go off and, and do protest songs and stuff. And, and I think that's what, I mean, but the thing is, is they also were all attached at the hip for the entire time they were together. They went to hate Ashbury together. They went to India together. They all did that stuff together. And at a certain point, you're going to grow apart and you're going to want different things. And I think more than anything, that's probably what broke them up. But last, last thing I want to ask you about on this, watching this concert, the rooftop concert at the end. What do you think? Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, how, how, what they were doing. I mean, how was it to watch that thing? Cause I've never watched that all the way through. And this was the first time I really watched that rooftop concert all the way through. I saw four guys,
1: who are yeah. having the time of their lives, Were having more fun than they probably ever had ever because they knew the consequences. They yeah. knew that this wasn't going to end. Well, they knew it going in. They yeah. wanted that that is publicity. They were cold. John was yeah blowing on his hands, you know, so he could play. Yeah. Ringo looked great. He was jamming out. He was having fun. George yeah. was happy having fun. They turn off his amp. He threw it back on it. Yeah, it's just—it was freaking rock so amazing to watch. It was yeah. every kid's dream, and so I don't know, man. It—it it was. It's—it's it's hard yeah. to put in words and articulate seeing that, and all the work, and and progress, and the fights, and yeah. the drugs. All the uppers, I need another yeah. upper man. You got a pill? You know, that, that, sorry for all the lame. Uh, you can't
0: have, you can't talk to, um, be- you can't talk to Beatles without having <laughs> so to do some, some parody. I'm so yeah. sorry. You know, someone's <laughs>
1: going to listen and us be like, dude, whoever that guy is. Um, But, you know, I thought it was really neat to not, not to go off on a tangent, but the whole, the drug, yeah. can we talk about the drug piece of it? I think it was pretty amazing that they must have had a meeting Yeah, no I'm drugs sure. on film or, you know, because you saw John reaching for yeah. for a pill and then you saw the camera and put it back in and you saw Yoko actually give him oh, an wow. acid acid tab. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of drugs involved. Um, the. Uh, yeah. I, let it be when they got drunk off of whatever George. Oh, yeah, that's right. George yeah. put together and gave all of them. Um, yeah. Really screwed up Paul to the point where yeah. he had to leave the session. That, um, that's real and that's cool, you know, and you want those, you want those sessions, you want those situations and then um come back and just knock the hell out of it. But the rooftop, man, it just, it got me kind of, yeah, kind of an emotional in a way. Um, cause I didn't
0: get it. Yeah. And now I get it. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally uh, that, it. that rooftop concert yeah. was the first time so, I've seen the clips of that, of all those, of those performances. I didn't know that they actually were recording the album up on top of the roof and they performed, you know, get back three times. It it was amazing how how it sounded, you know,
1: it sounded so outside. This is why we love analog. Outside they are able to. This is
0: okay. That's the difference between that's why analog sounds better and all that. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's That's right. why I, I'm buying. That's gear. right. That's why I'm getting gear.
1: You know, and I'm trying to replace
0: all the all the. And that's why this program. podcast, this episode, sounds so but. amazing because it's being recorded at <laughs> Band Studios. That's right. So that's right. <laughs> Bandstudios.com.
1: <laughs> no, um, but no, it, it was. Yeah. I don't know what else to say other than just yeah, being redundant so and, and just keep. I mean, there's there's so much. It's so dense and there's so much information. Um. I'm going to watch it again and again and again. Just, I, I, I yeah. would have it on in the background as I'm sure. putting a session together just because I just love to hear people work on music and, and fleshing things out, you know, and um, thanks for yeah. bringing this okay. up. Thanks for having me, and thanks for, uh, you know, um, uh, introducing the Watching idea this, of
0: watching this I knew I knew you would love it and I knew you would uh, you know I had you in mind when I thought of this but yeah also we can't forget we got two more things to cover first you know our rating system this isn't your first rodeo on the final take podcast uh and I think you've already alluded to it is this a watch gotta watch it right away is it a stream or is it a skip
1: this is a watch, baby. This is a watch. Keep it on rotation. Yeah,
0: I would say for any music enthusiast out there, this is a watch. This is definitely a watch. I mean, it, oh my gosh, every generation
1: yeah. should watch this. Uh, I'm telling you, every band musician, it uh, it's, yeah, hell, it was it no was a hard watch, watch because
0: you're kind of a fly on the mm-hmm. wall. It's like you're there. I, and I would say, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, could, it, be it others, could be boring for others. I'm sure for others, but you know, for people who love music, mm-hmm. totally. I mean, I would say it, it's definitely a yep. watch because. I it, get it. It took took a little bit to get into it, like oh, they're just jamming, but then wow, mm-hmm. when once they turn them, you know, they start, you know, once you see the process and you see what they're doing and everything that's behind it, kudos to Peter yeah, Jackson. You got to understand, every movie,
1: song, r- radio, every major Beatles song that we've ever listened to, a lot of them we saw, yeah, the behind the scenes of them, like them just working a little note. On a little yeah. note, I'm like that strawberry fields. Yeah, because some strawberry of those songs fields.
0: ended up on yes.
1: Abbey Road. You know, I, I, yeah. I actually went through some of my albums. I'm like, oh, that song is actually on this album. Yeah, oh, that song is on this different right. album. That song is yeah. on this different album. All those songs yeah. just ended up on all these different albums, and uh, it's just amazing how much material in their the catalog that they built that changed yeah. our world musically to the point where there's now college yeah. courses about it. Yes, because of what we just watched, they, it blows it, my mind completely. I no. don't think people really understand how important this film is. And if yeah. you haven't seen it, you should go out and watch it because it is absolutely—it's—it
0: should be in a vault, and this should be sent to the aliens. Tim, <laughs> I've thought about this in the past. If it wasn't for the Beatles, how mm-hmm. where would we be with recording right now? Someone else would figure it out someone else would have figured it out. You think we'd be here where we are with all this like pro tools and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. I think,
1: so. I, I think we would. Yeah. I, I can't, um I can't say that the Beatles are the, um, the start and the origin of everything. Yeah. I think they're, they're but, probably the
0: most experimental. In the, but time. what
1: happened though, with the way they built the console and and the technique and having the actual monitors in the studio mm-hmm. as they're playing minus Ringo. Yeah. So, you know, which is, so smart I, I i didn't know that technique even existed until i yeah. watched that it was just so far beyond they were ahead of their time yeah. actually with all that um yeah i i think there there there's a lot of smart yeah. people out there and i think someone would have been able to figure something out yeah. but you got to understand while this was happening there are there were engineers out there still making yeah. music creating new things there's so many different, there's a Neve console, API console, all these. I'm boring you to death. But all these consoles were made in the 50s, 60s, and yeah. 70s. So if we didn't have this amazing engineer for the Beatles yeah. album, there's still other, other people engineers out okay. there. But I don't know. Yes, you're right. I don't yeah. know. No. All the answers above. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they did. Maybe this was the origin Yellowbrick Road path that led to everything that we know yeah. today. If it wasn't for blues, we wouldn't have Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Okay. I agree with so, that. So and if if we didn't have the Beatles, I don't know if we'd have rock and roll.
0: Wow. That's so, very profound. There you go. All right. Well, hey, really quick, we owe our listeners, our tens of listeners, three top three drummers.
1: Okay, here right. we go. John Bonham, I own the drum kit. Uh, we'd have to say, uh, Carter Buford from Dave Matthews Band. Uh, that's the one that I listen to all night,
0: my headphones, and practice style. Um, and uh, Matt, Cameron. Matt Cameron. I got two. I got I got uh, two of the three: Carter Buford and Matt Cameron. I would also go with monocache who was uh, he's a French drummer. Um, drummed for Sting and drummed for Peter Gabriel. He's a phenomenal. Just a fusion yep. of style, amazing rock, amazing. jazz, everything.
1: Uh, oh come on, Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah, it's it. That's it's hard. Sophie's choice. Yeah. You're telling me about drummers? Are you kidding? That's right. me? It's that's Sophie's okay. choice. Um, thank you again. Yeah. And um, man, that was a lot of fun. It was. And thanks for helping me grow as a musician
0: and as a person from watching this. So. That there. Is our final take. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and or give us five stars and a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people and we can keep reaching for those stars. Thank you, Tyler of Space Ranger, for the original music, our third member of the podcast here. Peace and
1: love. Peace and love. Peace and
0: love. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Final Take Pod, Facebook at facebook.com slash the final take pod email us if you have something to let us know the final take pod at gmail.com and check out all of our episodes on our website the final until next time we'll be back for more